You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's good, you guys? Hope that you're doing so good this week. Uh, We are in part two of our Easter series here at FC Young Adults entitled 30 Pieces of Silver. Uh, The reason that this is our Easter series is because it's kind of inspired out of an interaction between Judas, the disciple of Jesus, and uh, the religious elite right before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Um, We talked about this last week, but just to set a little bit of the table again, is Judas ends up betraying Jesus and essentially selling him as a person to the religious elite for 30 pieces of silver. And the tagline would be this, is that we all make exchanges. We all make exchanges. Last week we talked about the exchanges that we make for idols. If you weren't here for that, uh, you can check that out on last week's episode of the podcast. This week we're going to kind of hone in on one thing that we often make different kinds of exchanges for. And that thing that we make exchanges for is comfort. Comfort. Off the top, I want to ask a question. And that question is this, when did the idea that Christian life would be easy invade our minds in church cultures? When did the idea that Christian life would be easy invade our minds individually and our church cultures collectively? And I don't want that question to come off as accusatory in any way, because I am so guilty of having that kind of posture as well. A posture that would say, well, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, my expectation was that bad things wouldn't happen to me anymore. That if I'm faithfully following Jesus, life should be not be perfect maybe, but it should be simple. It should be uh, maybe tribulation free, whatever it may be. And the truth is, is that we can often become guilty of being people who face with trial become frustrated because we believe that as faithful followers of Jesus, that shouldn't be the case, that life should be easy. But where does that come from? Because it's certainly not scripture. If you look at scripture, there are so many different verses that would speak to this, but I just want to look at two. John chapter 16 Verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Romans chapter 8, 35 says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You see, scripture makes it really clear that we're called to live life with extreme faith, and that isn't always going to lead to comfort. It's important that we understand this. It's important that we understand that comfort is not a byproduct of our faith. It is a promise and a reassurance in the face of the adversity that we will inevitably face. There will be adversity. There will be suffering. There will be things like affliction and distress and persecution and famine that try to separate us from the love of God. But what we get to do is live in the reassurance that we can take heart because God has conquered the world, or that we can understand and live it from a posture that would say, but who can separate us from the love of Christ? It's not going to be affliction or distress or persecution or danger, sword, whatever. We get to be people who get to live in the assurity of the promise of God, but that doesn't guarantee comfort. So from the very beginning, we have to understand that comfort is not the call. Comfort is not the call. Let me ask another question. Is our faith convenient? Is our faith convenient? You see, one of the exchanges that we make is this, is that we often exchange conviction for convenience because convenience is comfortable, right? We often exchange conviction for convenience. Before we move any further, I have to make a clarifying statement because many of us hear the word conviction and it is viewed as a synonym with guilt and shame. 
But please hear me. Shame and guilt are the tools of unhealthy religiosity. And they're the tools of the enemy himself. Like the devil uses guilt and shame because guilt puts a spotlight on our brokenness and provides no way out. It is, it is something that, that we carry with us to say, I am ashamed of this. I am guilty of this. This is a broken part of my life. This is a mistake that I made, and we just carry that. And it becomes baggage in our life. But conviction is when the Holy Spirit highlights an area of sin in our life, highlights brokenness, but then provides a path to res- restoration. That it's not, hey, I want you to know this so that you can carry it for the rest of your life. It's, I want you to know this so that you can drop it and hand it over to me. The truth is, is the enemy, the enemy wants to speak convenience over our lives. And, and speak might be too strong of a word. I think, I think the enemy wants to whisper convenience over our lives. And this is why. Because faith rooted in our own convenience holds very little power. But faith rooted in submission to Christ or faith rooted in conviction to Christ has the potential to change the world. But faith rooted in our own preferences and our own convenience holds very little power because we become individualistic in the way that we pursue Jesus. Because this is a shocking fact. My preferences when it comes to how I engage with my faith is probably different than yours. And if I become someone who only do, does what's convenient for me and you do only what's convenient for you, we become a untethered group of people when God has called us to be in community. It doesn't mean that we can't express our faith in different ways. It doesn't mean that we can not engage with worship or whatever it may be. We'll get into that in a little bit. But what it means is that if I'm only focused on my own convenience and my own preferences, we are going to find ourselves with a faith with very little power. But if it were rooted in submission to Christ co- collectively and individually, we have the potential to change the world. So I want to ask this, in what ways are we allowing convenience to determine our own spiritual rhythms? In what ways are we allowing convenience to determine our own spiritual rhythms? Oftentimes our spiritual lives are determined by what we have deemed most comfortable. We set stipulations on our spiritual rhythms, on our faith, on how we engage with God. We set stipulations on how we read our Bible. I was just having a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, and she said, if I don't read my Bible first thing in the morning, I will not read it for the rest of the day. And I completely understand what she was saying. What she was saying is that she has set up a habit in her life that she wants Scripture to be the first thing that she does every single day. But simultaneously, what she said was, I will not read it if I don't get to it then. What that is communicating is, this is what's most convenient. This is convenient. This is what works the best for my schedule. So this is when I get my scripture reading in. And if you can do that and not allow it to become monotonous and unfruitful, that's fantastic. Like create spiritual rhythms. I was just talking to somebody last night at YA and they said, well, what if I, what if I, this is really good for me and it's, I don't need to change it up all the time and and try a new way or a new time of reading scripture or engaging with the word. And I said, Listen, you you could read scripture at 6 a.m. every day for 70 years, and as long as you are still seeing fruit from that, that's fantastic. What I'm saying is that don't let convenience or your schedule that is determined by your vocation or your, your life here on earth determine when you or how you engage with the word, that that should be something that takes priority. So we have stipulations on when we read our Bibles. We have stipulations or preferences on how we worship. I like this style. I like it loud. I like it like big and flashy, or I like it acoustic and small. I like worshiping with a lot of people around me. I like worshiping alone, like whatever it may be. We have preferences there, and sometimes we, we create these comfort zones. 
We create comfort zones on how we read our Bible. We create comfort zones on how we worship. We, we create comfort zones on how we spend our time in faith community. Like this is the type of church that I will only be a part of, or, or it can't get big, too big, or it can't be too small, or, or it has to be on this day of the week, whatever it may be. We, we let convenience and preference create these comfort zones for us to operate in our own spiritual rhythms. But here is the problem. Comfort zones can quickly become prison cells. Comfort zones can quickly become prison cells. We can get stuck. We can be enslaved to our own comfort zones. So we have to ask, are our spiritual rhythms causing healthy growth or unhealthy stagnancy? Are our spiritual rhythms actually bearing fruit or are they becoming prison cells that, that prevent us from moving into the spaces and places and towards the people that God is calling us to be? We have to ask, are our spiritual rhythms actually spiritual or are they just habitual? Are our spiritual rhythms actually spiritual or are they just habitual? There's a worship song that came out. It's called Monday Morning uh, by SEU Worship. It's this incredible college worship team at Southeastern University in Florida. And uh, one, of, one of the lyrics says, Hell's not scared of a Sunday faith if it only leads to empty praise. And you could substitute Tuesday if you're a part of young adults on Tuesday night and that's church for you. That's fine. Whenever you engage with church, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it doesn't matter. But, but the message behind this is that if our relationship with Jesus is centered on our own convenience and when we have determined to schedule in our Jesus interactions, when, if, if it's scheduled or centered on our convenience, comfort, or preference, we're completely missing the point. That hell is not scared of something that is just habitual. Hell's scared. The whole point of the song is hell's scared when we make it a daily commitment. When every part of our day, every part of our life becomes a, a form of worship unto the Lord, that our faith is indwelling amongst us so as we indwell amongst other people, that's when hell gets scared. Hell's not scared of just us checking boxes and letting things become habitual and allowing the spiritual rhythms of our lives to become comfort zones that then translate into prison cells. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, many of us know this. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? And then hear this. Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? You see, Jesus understood that there were these exchanges that we make. And oftentimes what we want is we want to make the exchanges that lead to comfort for ourselves. But what he says is if anybody wants to follow me, deny yourself, get uncomfortable. Don't do what is convenient or your own personal preference. Take up your cross and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Taking up our cross is not convenient. It's not comfortable. But we're following the model of Jesus. Jesus left heavenly convenience, the perfect convenience, everything there. And it wasn't because what earth had to offer was better. Jesus was like, hey, it's kind of lame up here in heaven. So I'm going to go to earth. Like that, That's just not what happened. The reason that Jesus came was because he was willing to make himself uncomfortable because he loved us that much. We get the opportunity to express our love in return by making the opposite exchange. 
exchanging our human desire and our human comfort for the calling that he has placed on our life. That we get to die to ourselves, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, even if it's uncomfortable because we love him that much too. So let's not be people who exchange eternal promises for temporary comforts, that what Jesus has to offer for us is so much better than our own convenience, comfort, and preference. Now, I know that if you're listening to this and in, in you're what we would call around here spiritually unresolved and like you're not following Jesus yet, you haven't surrendered your life to him, I'm not painting like the prettiest picture of following Jesus. You're like, dude, this guy seems like he's saying like, life is hard and there's going to be suffering and then you're going to die. Like that is not what I'm trying to communicate. So please, please, please hear me. But I do not want to be naive to the fact that life will be difficult at times. There will be suffering. There will be trial. There will be tribulations. Following Jesus is is the greatest decision that I have ever made in my entire life, and it will be the greatest decision that you ever make in your entire life. Point blank, period. But we have to understand that just because it's a great decision and it's the best eternal decision that we could ever make, it doesn't mean that life on this side of heaven is going to be sunshine and rainbows at all times. It is going to lead to incredible things in our lives. I am confident of that. But I also understand that this world is full of messy, broken, fallible human beings. And we just live in brokenness. And so we will beget brokenness. Like there will be things that are broken, that are, that are forced upon us, that we force upon other people, all of those different things. But we can take heart, right? Because God has overcome the world. And here's what we need to communicate. There is a difference between being comforted and living for comfort. There's a difference between being comforted and living for comfort. Scripture is very clear that we serve a God who will, without question, comfort us. He is the great comforter, but that doesn't mean that life is going to necessarily be comfortable. There's a difference between being comforted and living for comfort. Scripture talks about being comforted a lot because God knows that we're definitely going to need it. Three verses that come to mind. Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So yes, we will be comforted, but we are going to mourn. We are going to lose. We are are going to, to lose people that we love. We're going to mourn the loss of jobs and relationships and all those different things, but we will be comforted. And then Joshua 1.9, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm with you wherever you go. And the reassurance that I'm giving you is because you're going to have to face discouragement and you're going to have to be courageous, but take heart because I'm with you wherever you go. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us. He comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be a comfort to those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort that we ourselves received from God. He comforts us when? In our afflictions. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are also in any kind of affliction, right? So comfort is a huge theme of scripture. We are, we are going to be comforted and we are going to get the opportunity to comfort people. The great comforter, Jesus, God wants nothing more than to be intimately involved in our lives. And that should be a huge encouragement for us to be willing to get uncomfortable, that we would be willing to get uncomfortable knowing that he is always by our side. We say it all the time around here, but growth doesn't happen in comfort. Growth doesn't happen in comfort and change doesn't happen in comfort. 
if we look at our lives, if we look at these hinge point moments of our lives, these anchors that we can tether to, we grow the most and learn the most when we are pushed out of our comfort zones, when we are challenged, when we are stretched. And sometimes that happens through pain and tragedy and all kinds of things that we would never sign up for but we can still learn from them. And sometimes it happens when we intentionally step out of our comfort zones into things and ask God and the people around us to challenge us in ways so that we can learn and grow and become the people that God has called us to be. Growth doesn't happen in comfort. Change doesn't happen in comfort. So let's be willing to get uncomfortable knowing that he's always by our side. If we want to step in to all that God has for us, we must, we must get uncomfortable. If we don't, it can lead to the opposite of growth and change. Because here's the thing. Discomfort might not feel good at the time, but God promises that it will be good in time. Let me say that again. Discomfort might not feel good at the time. In fact, it won't feel good at the time. But God's promise is this, is that it will lead to good in time. It will lead to good in time. Comfort often leads to complacency. And complacency might seem comfortable in and of itself, but we will suffer if we go untouched from God for too long. And I don't know about you, but but I don't want to live a comfortable life if it means that it is one unattached to my creator. We never were called to complacency. We were never called to complacency, but comfort often leads to complacency. In fact, the Great Commission is a great place to land the plane. Because it talks about something that is uncomfortable in and of itself. The context here, we, we talk about the Great Commission a lot. So forgive me if you've heard this a thousand times. But but the Great Commission, this, this, this commission that Jesus gives to his disciples as he's about to ascend into heaven. This is after Easter, right? This is after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He, he lives for a little bit longer with, with the disciples. And then he sends them in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, with this charge. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's important that we understand that Jesus didn't say, Sit back and relax. I'll be back soon. I just did it. I did the thing. Now just relax. I got it. Just sit, chill. I'll be back soon. No, he says, Go. It's the first word, go. Going is uncomfortable and it's challenging and it's rarely convenient. Going calls us to places that we haven't been before, to people that we might not understand, to people that need the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, but don't know that they need that yet. We are called to go and that is uncomfortable. Remember, he says that he will surely be with us to the very end of the age right in the middle of all those things that challenge our comfort. So the call to discomfort has this point that is running parallel with it. Go get uncomfortable and don't forget that I am right with you in the midst, in the midst of the discomfort, in the midst of you denying yourself, in the midst of you dying to your own preferences and the things that are convenient to you, I am right there with you. So let's make a commitment to allowing ourselves to being uncomfortable. And let's watch what God does with that. 
Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.